from Optimized Health, this is the True Health Podcast, where we unlearn diet culture and personalize our health one tip and story at a time. My guest today is my close friend, Seth Callen, who is the founder of This Fiction Music, an artist management company and record label based in both Los Angeles and London. He's worked with a number of chart-topping and global touring artists from all over the world, including ex-ambassadors, Jukebox the Ghost, J.P. Sachs, Bloom Twins, Tours, Will Lindley, and many more. Seth is also the founder of This Trip, a travel and experiences company for music industry professionals, along with being the co-founder of Campfire Music, which is a publishing company built in partnership with Spark Music Group. On a personal note, like I said, Seth is a close friend of mine. Uh, back when I worked in the music industry and lived in LA, our two companies shared an office together. Every time I go back to LA, um, I stay at his house. Very, very close friend. We've always had amazing conversations all around music, uh, the music business, but on a larger level, things like work and work boundaries and all of our kind of collective relationship with work and the role it kind of fits within our life. Um, so today we are going to dive deep into the emotional health of talent managers, um, but it's also going to extend kind of far beyond uh, music industry specifically and just into work life balance, boundaries, stress, all of that kind of stuff. Last thing I'll say before we jump in is just that um, Seth and I are both speaking in LA at the upcoming Jump Global Summit, which is Monday, November 12th through Wednesday, November 14th. Um, and it is going to be an amazing conference for anybody who is interested. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to this episode. Again, it is the Jump Global Annual Summit. Our friend Nick is organizing it, who's an amazing person. It is November 12th to 14th. It's either Monday or Wednesday or Sunday or to Tuesday. Either way, it is November 12th to 14th at the Line Hotel in LA. It's going to be an incredible uh, summit. Again, I'm going to put the link in the episode notes there, as well as a discount code um, that our community gets for anybody who wants to attend. And with that, let's dive into it. Seth, what's up? Welcome. How are you, man? I'm good. It's good to see you, even if it's uh, digitally on Zoom. I mean, we were talking before this uh, <laughs> that this will be interesting because it'll be just like catching up and hanging out, but recording the whole thing publicly. Yeah, hopefully uh, to those who are listening right now, hopefully you're not just wildly bored for the next hour while me and Ethan, you know, talk about coffee beans. But I promise there will be there will be insight and reflection and uh, and all that stuff on how to live a, an optimized, healthy life. I love it. I love it. So to jump into it, um, there are so many places to start, but I think for me, you know, the whole conversation and the whole topic is interesting because I feel like I've lived multiple lives kind of in different ways and like talking about things around the music industry and emotional health and music managers, like it's very bizarre because it, it feels like talking about my former self. Um, but you are the perfect person to talk to about this, not just because we're close friends, but because I feel like you have been one of the only people I've ever seen in my life actually 
navigate that successfully um, and figure that out. So for people, just for context, who don't know, you give some backstory, how you got into the music industry, just kind of some of that kind of origin story piece to start. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a manager. I mean, I'm much more than that, but, um, but, but my, uh, my, Historically, my job in the music industry has been managing artists. I've expanded on that in the last few years and have, you know, for those who know about the music industry, I have a record label and publishing company and a lot of different ventures. But, but you know, at, at my core, I'll always view myself as a manager. And, and I started, uh, well, actually, let me give a little bit of context on what a manager does. I mean, it, it, a lot of people ask me like, what does a manager do? You know, and people who don't know anything about the music usually ask like, do you just go on tour with them and make sure that they get to shows on time? And I'm like, that's, you know, one aspect, but really what, what a manager is, is there's, there's artists, right? Songwriters, artists, producers, and, um, a manager is the voice of the artist to the entire music industry, right? And um, a manager operates in a service business. So, you know, I am I am of service to the client, right? Managers are not paid a salary. They're not, um, you know, we are working for an artist, again, songwriter, writer, producer to help build their business in whatever way that looks like. So, you know... Mm -hmm. In, in in some scenarios, it's trying to help an artist simply define their brand and their visuals and then find a record label and help them release the music and then help them figure out their touring and how to make money on the road and how to sell merchandise and how to do all kinds of stuff. But, um, but really, like the best way to describe a manager is that it's, you know, again, I work for the client to help the client achieve what they're all their wildest hopes and dreams are. Um, and for every different creative person, artist, you know, et cetera, um, they all have different ambitions and different goals. And my, my job is to help them achieve that. And sometimes by do the way to do that is by building a big team around them or, or et cetera. So it's, it's a really fun and fulfilling job because if you love music, you know, you're the closest person to the music at its inception and the people who make it. Um, you know, I've, I've worked with artists that when I met them, they were playing to three or four people at a crappy dive bar in Brooklyn. And then five years later, they're headlining Red Rocks in Colorado for 10,000 people. And it's a beautiful thing, you know? So it's you and that artist or you and that songwriter versus the world, you know? Um, and so I've been doing that. I started doing that when I was 18, um, which is crazy. I mean, I, I met my first artist, <laughs> Jukebox the Ghost, when I was 18. I'm 36 now, so I've managed them 18 years, which is just crazy to me. Like, it's, it's officially half my life, you know? And like I described, you know, I met them... Um, I met them while play opening for them in a cafeteria at their college. Actually, I met them when I was 17. So, and I started managing them when I was 18 in college, but you know, I've, I've been a part of their career for nearly 20 years. Um, and 
you know, and then there's other artists I work with. I mean, we manage an artist called X Ambassadors who, you know, similarly, I first time I saw them play, it was in front of no one. And, and you know, I've seen them reach the highest of highs you could possibly imagine in the music industry, which is, again, like I said, it can be incredibly fulfilling. But at the same time, it's also, um, you know, you're as the manager, because you're the closest person to these people who are artists, creators, you know, dreamers, whatever, like they're, you're also the one who deals with the, the, their anxieties and their stress and, and their, um, their fears and their insecurities all day. And, and so it's like, whenever I'm talking to young people getting into the music business, I'm sort of like, being a manager is the best job, right? It's also the absolute worst, you know? It's because, and you have to be prepared for that. You have to know that it's a complete roller coaster. When it when you're high, it's you've never felt so high. You know, you're you're coming together with the team. You're 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 the first one who heard a demo of a song, and then when you hear that being sung at Madison Square Garden or something, it's just like it's a it's a big high. But also, when an artist is going, I'm having a hard time paying my rent coming up. What are you going to do about it, manager? You're the business. You're you're my you're the CEO of my business essentially. How are you going to help me figure that out? That 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 can become uh, really challenging and disheartening and and all that stuff. So. Um, so yeah, that, that's the core of what a manager is. And yeah, I've been doing it for nearly 20 years and have a large roster and of, of, you know, artists, frankly, all around the world at this point, you know, we work with artists in the States, but in some in the Ukraine, some in South Africa, London, like it's, it's, so again, it's, it's really, it, it can be really fun. And there's a lot of perks that come to being a manager in the sense that it's like a really um gratifying sort of beautiful thing and then it also comes with a lot of stress <laughs> yeah. yeah and i think too to that point you know one of the things that i'm i'm curious about is how your relationship with your work has evolved over time so like you've been doing this for half your life which is a lot, like not many people can say that really for anything. Um, and I, I would imagine, or at least from my experience early on getting into the music industry, there is such a, like an adrenaline and excitement to everything. And you're, it's sort of like your entire life becomes, I will break into the music industry. It becomes this like thing to conquer, to get within and then that I'm sure has evolved over time. So like, what was that like? Or like when you look back your relationship with your work and where it was and how much space it took up then versus now? Yeah, I mean, it's evolved a lot, you know? I mean, I think I've generally had a healthy relationship to work, but, you know, I remember being a freshman and sophomore in college and starting to manage Jukebox the Ghost and be like sitting up in bed at 1 a.m. on MySpace, you know, messaging fans from the band to be like, 
I wanted to make sure that every fan who ever messaged them, we responded and said hi. And I was like, you know, and I look back and I'm like, what was I doing at one o'clock in the morning being like, thank you, you should buy tickets to our next show and on or, or something like that. And, you know, and, and, and I think that, and that's just one example, but you know, my entire life for a long time and in some ways still does revolved around, um, around what artists were doing, what was happening. You know, I was actually talking to someone the other day. It's funny. I remember, um, <laughs> I'll give two good examples specific to Jukebox the Ghost because I was very young. Um, one, I remember I love Daft Punk, right? And they were playing in Brooklyn and I had tickets to it and it's now gone down as their last tour ever. I Jukebox the Ghost was playing their first ever show in Philadelphia where I'm from at this total hole in the wall called The Fire. I used to play there with my band, you know, um, and and so I was like, I have to be at their show at the fire. I'm going to skip this Daft Punk show. I gave the tickets away and I look back and I'm like, why did I do that? You know, but at the time I was so obsessed with being everywhere with them at, at all times, even around that same year. Um, I had the opportunity to go study abroad in at NYU. But I remember being like, I'm not going to study abroad. Jukebox the Ghost has three shows this month. I must be there for all of those. And 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 look, I don't know if those were the right decisions or the wrong decisions, but you become obsessed and and then you start to get a taste of like when it starts to work, you know, and oh my God, we had a sold out show or the band I'm managing is opening for, you know, one of the first big opportunities they got is they were opening for Ben Folds. And I remember being thinking, oh my God, I, I grew up obsessed with Ben Folds. I can't believe I'm backstage at a Ben Folds show. So, so your entire life revolves around that. And then sort of the kind of like next chapter of my career was really when, when things started happening in a really, really big way for ex-ambassadors, like, then my life really, you know, revolved around them. And it was, you know, because, because for them, they had global smash hit songs that were blowing up around the world. Every five minutes, they were getting offered some opportunity. And I was in the headspace of just like, just buckle up and, and do it, you know, luck, luckily, when that was all really kicking off, um, my I was married then or, or or maybe had just gotten married. And luckily I had a partner, my wife, Lauren, who generally was always saying, just go do it. You know, like, I, you know, I remember uh, ex-ambassadors when the first big opportunities they got, they were, um, they were playing it during the world cup. They were playing the germ, the fan mile in Berlin, which was in front of 500,000 people. And it was when their song Jungle was being used all over the World Cup commercials and stuff. And I remember being really uh, anxious to <laughs> to talk to my wife, Lauren, because we had planned a vacation that week to, I don't know, go to some beach somewhere. And I said, I think I need to go to Germany for the week. And I was really stressed about it. And she went, who cares? Go for it. Like, whatever. We'll go to on our beach trip another time. Like, go do what you got to do. But um so, so that's like early days of my life, but I think um, the the big shift 
the big shift for me in mentally over say the last probably five years in particular was at your core, your job is to help other people achieve everything they want to achieve. So your um, emotional well-being is often tied to if that artist or again, songwriter, producer, whoever is feeling successful on that given day and and feeling the success and so I think one of the big shifts for me especially in the last you know five or six years was 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 trying to find ways to put space between myself and that feeling and and remind myself that I'm a human too and have my own hopes and dreams and things I want out of life that have nothing to do with whether an artist gets a number one on billboard or something or sells a show out. And um, so, you know, I guess my, my journey with my emotional well-being has, as it relates to artists is just like, is again, over the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years, just putting a lot of, putting a lot of thoughtful intention into um, what, makes me happy because I think a lot of um artist managers in particular and probably again people who are in businesses that are of that are in service of other people's needs or whatever um that they think well I'm happy if the if if this big thing happens for this client you know I'm happy if we uh sell the tour out or I'm happy if we get nominated for a Grammy or something. And I think I've had to kind of like retrain my mind as I've gotten older doing this and to, to help have a healthy relationship with, uh, with whatever's happening with an artist on any given day. That's really fascinating because what you said, I resonate with so much but what you said is interesting which is you said essentially your uh self esteem or self-worth or whatever you want to call it is tied to you said if the artist feels successful that day yeah which is a really interesting thing because that day implies that this changes every day and feels successful is a different thing than is successful that's yeah. like a different thing. And so how do you grapple with that? Because one of the things I remember when I was a manager that was so um, like anxiety inducing was this feeling of, are they happy? Are they okay? Do they think I'm doing a good job? Are they satisfied? And it was never like, how am I feeling? What do I think of as successful? Because it didn't really matter. Or at least I didn't think it mattered. It was, it was more, how is this person feeling? And my life depends on their mood today. Well, even when I was a young, brand new manager, I, I guess I had some of this because I used to always say to artists, any artist I worked with, when they were feeling stressed or something, I would often say, 
are we better off now than we were three months ago? And are we better off now than we were six months ago? Like, have we made progress? And sometimes the answer is no, but generally the answer is you can usually point to, oh, well, actually this part of our career is a little better than it was three months ago or six months ago. So I've tried to always think about um, just taking realistic steps on the ladder and reminding artists about that, you know, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I think that, the, the truth is that I think it's, I think it, for me, it's all, it's been realizing that, that um, it is about if an artist feels successful and sometimes it's about either trying to convince an artist that like, Hey, you, you are successful or, or just trying to remind them of the facts and saying, Hey, just sit with this. That's all I can do, you know, um, mm. because every artist, there is no exception to the rule. Every single artist I, I know or work with is incredibly ambitious. And um, even if they have reached the top 5% of the music industry, which essentially the top 5% of the music industry doesn't even need to mean you're selling out Madison Square Garden. It, it, it means you're, you're, you have a career and you can feed yeah. yourself and pay your yeah. rent, you know? Um, but, but every artist reaches a certain point and still they're like, but I want something else. You know, I want, I want more. And um, no artist will ever feel content and that's okay. And look, that's why I'm, I'm a manager and they're an artist, you know, I don't want to work with artists that go, hmm, you know, my song, I had this one big hit song and I think I'm good, you know, that would, that would be no fun. But um, so, so it's not, I'm not saying that as, as if it's a bad thing, you know, but I think there's, I don't know. I, I I just try to, again, I I try to find ways for myself to feel successful, and then I think I that brings me a certain like, <laughs> I don't know, Zen piece to when I talk to artists who are spiraling or upset about something. You know? Are you able to feel successful if an artist is super upset and telling you in that moment like? I'm pissed about this or upset about this or worried about this. Are you able to actually separate that and be like, well, I feel okay. I mean, look, I say all of this and I absolutely am affected by, by how artists feel or if things actually do go wrong and whether it's my fault or not, like I'm yeah. not, I'm not immune to that by right. any means, you know? Um, but but I don't know, you know, <laughs> again, I'm, 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 I'm lucky that I've worked with artists that have had a decent amount of success in different ways. And I've figured out how to have some financial stability in my life. And I figured out certain, a lot of that, uh, certain things that, that keep me grounded and can keep me level. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, especially more in the last couple of years, you know, yeah. I, when artists are mega stressed or pissed or hurling abuse or something like 
often I, I really want to hear them because I don't want to, I don't want to discount that, 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 that they have one career, right? They have one music career and it's all they think about all day long. It's them, their songs, their shows, their music videos, their whatever. And I have many careers, you know, I have, I am a multi-dimensional human being and also entrepreneur. So, you know, if, if, so, so I'm, I'm lucky that I have that. So I, I hear artists when they are, you know, again, spiraling or feeling down on themselves or something because, you know, all they want to do is make music for the rest of their lives. And so I empathize when it's challenging for them, but I'm able to, I, I, I find ways myself, I guess, to like stay grounded and do things for myself. You know, I'm by cycle, I make coffee, I love wine and I, I do all of these other things that I invest in my own happiness so that, you know, again, 10, 15 years ago, if an artist was freaking out about something, I would be miserable and not be able to sleep for four days, you know, whereas nowadays I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna, you know, make a Negroni, hang out with my dog and try to go to sleep early and not ignore this, but just try to like set it aside for a moment and make myself happy. And then hopefully tomorrow we can reapproach the problem. And I don't know. That's beautiful. Yeah. I was never able to do that. That's very impressive. Um, I wanted to ask you about that too. You started to touch on it. Um, you know, this idea of work-life balance, which people talk about and have different views on, but you do have um, a very balanced life, life as far as work-life goes, right? Like you're always cycling and traveling and exploring and you have passions and interests and hobbies and I think that's also kind of rare like I, I'm sure you have friends in music be like how do you do all this what do you do do you even work like this type of stuff I'm sure you've heard many times right so how is that like fit in with your life and work and is everybody okay with it <laughs> yeah I mean I I I, okay, I think first and foremost, I can choose what clients I work with. So I choose people who I like, right? So I travel, I take time off, whatever. And, you know, but I, things are 24 seven with artists. So generally, if I'm, you know, I've had times where I'm like, I don't know, in some cool place, you know, this summer I was in the South of France with Lauren, my wife, and, you know, kind of on vacation, like we were on vacation. It started with some work stuff, but, but, you know, if, if one of my artists calls me while I'm there, unless I say in advance, like I am off, like, don't call me. Like, I don't mind picking up the phone or, or again, I, I, I enjoy what I do. So I, create space to still work while I'm living my life. So yeah, I mean, my friends joke with me when they look at my Instagram, they're like, 
okay, another, you know, photo of a sunset in Croatia and here's some oysters and wine and, you know, hiking with your dog. Like, do you ever work? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I put those things on the internet because they're just things I enjoy. But, but the reality is, is that even when I'm traveling or doing things for myself, I always make space for, okay, I'm going to spend two hours, like, answering some emails while I'm drinking coffee at this hotel I'm at. That's totally fine. Cause again, I like running my business. I like working with artists. I like, I like run. I like being a, you know, running a company and dealing and talking to my team and stuff. So yeah, but I, it, the, the work life balance thing, it's just like, I don't know. I think it all comes down to boundaries. And as a young entrepreneur, it's really hard to set boundaries with, anyone because you don't know that you need them and if anything again as a manager there's a certain like young energy to being you know texting at one o'clock in the morning ideas about something you you kind of get into it because you're like oh the artist needs me and I'm I'm hustling I'm hustling I'm hustling but I think as I've spent more time doing this I'm like no you don't you don't need to be doing that all the time. You need to create boundaries between yourself and a client or people you work with, you know, and, you know, sometimes people roll their eyes at my boundaries. Like I generally don't do calls. Like I don't do scheduled calls on Fridays. I'm just like, I don't do it, you know? And for me, it makes me feel, at the end of the week, I'm working on Fridays. At the end of the week, I sometimes do things that I'm putting off, like, oh, some accounting crap or, you know, make that phone call that I really didn't want to make or like, like, so I'm working. It's just that I don't like having things on my calendar on Fridays as I go into the weekend. I like to sometimes clock out early or go on a bike ride in the middle of the day and then do the rest of my work. And so, and, but again, I think it's really, really tough for a lot of young managers to um, to set any kind of boundaries with anyone, not even their clients. It's like the record labels, the booking <laughs> agents, the lawyers, the this, the that. And, you know, back to what I said initially, like I choose to work with a lot of really good people and they've not always been good to me. I've had a lot of problems with artists that I've stopped working with. I've had a lot of artists that I have problems with artists that I work with right now, but but I think that we've created a, a level of respect and um, because I've set boundaries for people, especially the new artists I work with, you know, um, yeah, and I just think, I just think setting boundaries for yourself and other people then can, can just make you a happier person because if you if you live by those boundaries and they're boundaries that make you happier, you'll also probably do a better job at your job, you know? that, And that's the thing I try to explain to artists all the time is sometimes I'm like, I just need you to know that not speaking to you for five days next week, I just don't want to talk to you, but I love you and I love your music and your out. I'm going to be listening to your new album while I, well, I don't know, visit my family or sit on the beach or something, but I don't want to speak to you. 
But when I come back to speaking to you the following Monday, I am going to be revved up. I'm going to be excited and, and I'm going to do a better job as a manager. But again, I think that like where the anxiety comes in is because a, a manager is in a, in managers, a lot of managers have contracts with their clients. Some do, some don't, but the anxiety that creeps in for managers is the reality is, is you're, you're in a service business. You can be fired anytime. So therefore you're always stressed. So you're like, I got to pick up the call because if I don't pick up the call, they might fire me or something, but it's you know. crazy. I'm not trying to interrupt you. I literally just got chills as you were describing that because I'm like, oh, that's a thing. Like I'll be, I'll talk to my therapist about that next week, but that's like very real. That is a very familiar feeling of I could, there's no job security. I could get fired anytime. And I think what you said is also really true around you know, it's essentially like a scarcity mindset versus like an abundant mindset where the scarcity piece of you goes, I'm just lucky to be here. Like I'm getting a phone call from anyone in the music industry. I cannot right. like, answer that. Like I've been working for years to be here. Like they want to talk to me. I'm available. I'm available anytime you want. Just call, just be there. <laughs> somebody call me like, please. Oh, and I think that then turns into, and this is, Across, I mean, everywhere in the music industry, way beyond the music industry too, what what people forget is that when you are acting a certain way, you're basically silently telling somebody how to expect to treat you forever. So yes. if, if you're initially saying, I'm available at 11 p.m., call me. Then next time they call you at 11 p.m., if you're asleep, you did something wrong. You like yeah. let them down. And that is a really tough thing when you don't have job security, when you could be replaced anytime, at least theoretically, and you need to be so self-assured that I'm, it's okay to go sleep or to go on a bike ride or to just like be a human. Like that's a challenging thing, especially if you've established a system that is not that initial. Yeah. And, and for yourself, you know, and a look, I, I feel lucky that I feel okay to feel this way. But, you know, I often think to myself, if you want to fire me, because I didn't answer your phone call at 11pm, then I don't want to work with you. You know, like, I like I that that's, that sounds awful to me, like, you know, and it, it's easier said than done, you know, but I think creating those, those boundaries for yourself, um, in really any workplace is just that that will to me that's what leads to a happier life and then it feeds back into doing a better job for your clients you know yeah. i've had i've had challenging relationships with some very important artists to me and those relationships in some have come to a head at some point and I've been really honest with them and said, like, this is what I need to do my job. And they've said, this is what I need to be a great artist. And sometimes that's been like, well, then we shouldn't work together. And sometimes it's been really healthy because we've been honest with each other. And I've said, you know, I need to work with an artist who like respects that my Saturdays are sacred to me or, or, you know, wishes me happy birthday or something, yeah. you know, like I'm like, and, it, and I think, oh. The birthday, we yeah. talked about this in, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, um, I think it's really hard for, for people and 
you know, I've just done a lot of work trying to understand what, what makes me happy and, and being a manager does bring me a lot of happiness. So I've just had to, I've had to fit that into what makes me a happen, happy human being and what makes me happy in my work life. And thankfully a lot, there's a lot of overlap. So yeah. often the, often the music stuff brings me all of, bring, gives me the ability to travel and do cool things. And I, I really, really love that, you know? Um, but you know, I think that like, yeah, it's just about, I don't know. I, th I think creating the boundaries for yourself and for others just makes everything better for everyone. Yeah. And the whole, I mean, just to tie it up too, like based on what you just said, essentially the idea of work-life balance implies that you hate your work and you're like needing to get away from it to go have lifetime. And it's like, well, if you enjoy your job or you're willing to integrate the two where you can be on a beach and still take a work call and it's not separate, it's just kind of a constant thing. Yeah, or, or you make the people you work with aware of the things that you actually enjoy doing, you know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I remember, I mean, I said this earlier, but it's kind of, it's easier to create those boundaries with new people in your life. You know, I mentioned this, but you know this, I'm, I've gotten really into cycling. I'm obsessed with it. And uh, <laughs> I, I brought uh, Will Lindley is a new artist, young artist we work with. He was doing a recording session up in Malibu at this really cool studio. And he was staying at my house. So I was like, I'll drive you up to Malibu because instead of him paying an Uber, I was like, I'll spend the afternoon with you. I'll drive you there. Um, dropped him off at the studio, but I had my bike with me and my, you know, lycra pink and blue outfit like totally ridiculous looking cycling outfit and i asked the guys at the studio if i could change in the studio and because i was gonna i was like well if i'm driving up to malibu like i'm gonna cycle up in malibu um and i remember will came around the corner and was like oh my god what are you doing and i was like oh, i'm in my my tights and my cycling stuff and then a couple like really notable songwriters walked in the door and they were like who the hell is this guy I'm like I'm Will's manager you know but but the point is is that I just Will knows that about me and he's like great amazing have a great ride I'll see you later dude like you know and 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 I think that a lot of um I think problems probably start to build for people in sort of more service-based industries with creative ambitious people is they kind of like hide themselves from the people that they work with and then that then then you just feel like you're supposed to be this robot all day that's supposed to you know like I don't know do this job and and I even you know I really try with even my employees you know our company has pretty liberal unlimited vacation you know I used to when I was younger I used to if I was doing something personal in the middle of the day, I'd put on my calendar, just like unavailable meeting when really I was, I don't know, going to the beach with a friend. But now I generally tell everybody, Hey, I'm really stressed and I'm going to go on a hike. I'm canceling my 2 PM call. Uh, I'll text you guys in an hour or two. And I think, I think my team, like my employees really appreciate that because it's like, I'm trying to show an example to them of, Hey, take breaks, be yourself, uh, do what's important to you. You know, we're not brain surgeons for God's sakes. Like we're trying, like the music industry is supposed to be really fun. So 
everyone's stressed out all the time because it's hard and I'm not denying that. And it's, it's hard and people have really, really big ambitions. And it's like, you know, it's like climbing Kilimanjaro with, you know, with flip-flops, like that's, that's the music industry, but, you know, but I, but, but I think it's also just really important to just, I don't know, remind everybody, Hey, this is fun. You know, you're doing this because you love it. And, and it's, again, this is even easier said than done, but if you have a, if you have a career and some fans and, you're able to make a living doing music you've won you've won the lottery you know everything else is is icing on the cake and that's even how i feel about being a manager and you know i am ambitious i look at social media and see these managers managing global stadium artists and winning awards and number ones at radio and i like you know i'm saying all this i do get jealous or I do get like gosh yeah, why can't that I like do that? comparison you know, piece yeah I totally compare myself but I think you know if you just have to have a healthy relationship and remind yourself like all right well I'm getting to do a lot of fun things I'm getting to work with people I like and I'm getting to work on music that I really love and if I'm able to you know eat and pay my mortgage or whatever, then cool. We're good. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. I think, um, I think it all ties together around not just the work boundaries and setting expectations, but even what you said around the cycling, even what you said around the cycling piece where it's like, how do I show up as my actual self? Like, that's very important where you're able to have that with your artists. You're able to have that with other people you can show up in your real form versus feeling like you have to be, you know, Ari Gold from Entourage or something like that. Yeah. And I have, I've had artists, you know, say to me, Oh, why aren't, you know, why aren't you this way, you know, or do, do more of this. And that's affected me. But the more I sort of push back and I'm just a hundred percent myself, it actually creates a better working relationship. And I think we get more shit done. And if, if we're, if we're, everyone's being genuine, you know, and again, if, if someone wants like a cutthroat screaming manager who, I don't know, wants to screw everyone left and right in order to achieve success, like don't hire me, you know, you don't need to work with me. That's not me, you know? Yeah. If you want like a really nice person who's going to be nice to everybody and then when they're shocked that I'm angry about something, that's the per- that's me, you know? And if you want someone who's who's going to um be thoughtful and care about artists as human beings, like that's also me, you know? I'm like I give a shit about things that are important to these artists and I care about their families and their wives and kids and boyfriends and stuff, you know, and that's not everyone, not every manager acts like that, you know, but I, again, I only work with people and I'm, I haven't always only worked with people like that, but I, at the moment, I only work with people that I actually enjoy hanging out with. <laughs> yeah. 
I love it. Um, what about your all right, personal, personal health and wellness routine? Where's where's that fall in? Because you've also been on a uh a bit of a journey. I don't know <laughs> if journey is the right word, but like uh I mean cycling is the first thing that comes to mind, but you've really gotten into a real groove and passion around a lot of health and fitness things, including, by the way, eating a wide variety of indulgent foods <laughs> all over the world. So where where's like how have you found beyond work boundaries and emotional health? Because we've done a full kind of masterclass on that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but physical health, nutrition, fitness, movement, that type of stuff. Where's that fallen? Well for me, like look, I was never the most athletic physical person. I you know, in high school, I mean, I was to a certain extent, I was on the swim team, I was a captain of a swim team, and I loved swimming. And I played lacrosse and soccer. And I was is into, into sports, but like, not really into sports. I was never watching sports. I was just like, I like playing sports, because that was something you did. And yeah, um, you know, my brother, for example, opposite, obsessed with he's an athlete, he played college you know lacrosse and yeah watching sports and stuff but so I would say that you know I was never like super into fitness per se and then moving to New York and and I was in lived in New York for 13 years I mean it is it's it's um it's really hard to I feel like keep any sort of fitness routine in New York City but you kind of balance it out because you walk you walk 20,000 steps a day, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but God, like that was, it was hard in New York. You know, I tried getting into running, but like that never really worked for me. I would go swimming at this pool in different parts of Brooklyn where I lived, but sometimes like in the middle of winter being like, okay, I'm going to put on five layers and then walk to a pool and then jump in the pool. Like, I'm like, I'd rather die. This sounds horrible, but um, you know, I think, um, a couple things have maybe changed for me in the last, I don't know, five or six or seven years. I mean, I mean, first of all, my wife, Lauren is really into fitness and in, in incredibly healthy eats healthy. So I'm indulgent and love traveling the world and tasting things and drinking wine and cocktails. And I, I do all that stuff. And thank God I have a wife where that gets balanced out by, you know, eating lentils with fish for dinner quite often and, and stuff, you know, and again, it's funny, but like that stuff doesn't exactly end up on my Instagram page, you know, right, but, uh, right. but, um, but for me, I think moving to LA, uh, it triggered something in my brain and, and just, just being outside, if anything, reminded me in some ways of, being in high school and doing team sports and stuff because in New York it was either go to the gym which I found you know I never really knew like what to do with the gym when I was like 25 I was like I don't know I've seen on tv people do the bicep thing like I guess I do that and then you know but I think moving to LA it just kind of got me outside which is what made me and then a lot of things happened one getting a dog meant I was hiking all the time you know Hmm. to over covid just just cycling just just really clicked for me because 
I think cycling culture fits in really well with eating and drinking, which is funny. You know, it's funny to think of a physical health thing, but it's like, you know, I did a 55 mile bike ride last week in Sydney in Australia and through a national park and et cetera. And, you know, halfway through stopped at a really cool cafe, ate something healthy. And at the end got like a beer, you know, and, yeah. and I think that, or I've done cycling trips in France where we're cycling 50, 60 miles a day and occasionally stopping at a winery. And I think what what's nice about cycling is you, there's a spirit of adventure and freedom and mixed in with it just being incredibly good for you. So my kind of health routine per se is I guess I do a mix of, and actually another thing that I got into briefly and I, I sort of stopped, but my, a really good friend of mine started coaching powerlifting a few years ago. I remember and, this. And me and Lauren were doing powerlifting, which I never in my life thought I would have liked like throwing 200 pounds on my back to do three squats, you know, but, yeah. but what it, what I really enjoyed kind of from learning that stuff was more that it gave me more confidence to go into a gym. And now I'm like, I'm not trying to do powerlifting, but I'm like, great. I know how to do a squat and I don't feel like I'm going to fall over or, or whatever. But I guess my routine, if I have one is I try to cycle maybe three days a week. We're right now, we live next to Griffith Park. So it's like the best place to cycle. You know, I still swim and I hike with my dog and I try to go to the gym and lift weights like once in a while. And I think that, but I don't really have like a set routine. It's more that I've realized that I am way happier if I just make sure I move my body for 30 minutes to an hour every day in some way. And yesterday I didn't, you know, whatever, like yeah. I was busy or I walked my dog and, you know, whatever, but, um, I don't know. I, I try to do that and I think I could probably put a lot more energy into that but you know I try to and recently I've been trying to do it a lot more also when I'm traveling on for work and stuff you know mm -hmm. and and look it it helps me not uh I I am so obsessed with with um travel food wine experiences like that meeting people in those industries and so I just feel a lot better Yeah. <laughs> if, I do, if I do an hour bike ride and then go eat cool stuff. Yeah. Well, you know. It sounds like too. And like one of the things I always talk to people about also is that, you know, this idea that the best workout is the one that you enjoy. Yes. Right. Like the, that is like my belief system around exercise because nobody ever got fit from a single workout, right? You didn't go to the gym and, power lift for five hours you're like i'm fit now i'm yeah. done great right so the, if it's not that it's consistency and the yeah. only way you're consistent is if you enjoy it that's just like what it is yeah a hundred percent and i i think i've just found ways to and, and i think it's both it's both um the physical health benefits i see from like doing some of this stuff but also the, the mental health just comes right back in you know yeah. I mean like this morning me and Lauren woke up and she's leaving for a work trip tonight somewhere so we were like let's get up a little earlier and let's go on a slightly longer hike with our dog and it was like great we were out for four miles an hour and a half 
climbing a mountain, felt good, sweating a little bit. Right. You know? And then, yeah. and that, and then it, it set me up for the rest of the day. And I think I've, I find that it, it really clears the cobwebs when I'm cycling or hiking or, you know, and again, re recently I've liked working out at the gym more often. And this sounds funny. I never, I, I used to get really bored for some reason recently I've been listening to a lot more, like I don't really work with any electronic music artists for some weird reason, like putting on like Polo and Pan or Fred again, or all of these, like, and listening to them at the gym. Like I'm oh. really, I'm, I'm like, I love it for some yeah. reason. I, it's really hypnotic and I really enjoy listening to that music. And so like, for some reason, that one specific thing has now made me enjoy going to the gym. And it's not even like, oh, I can't wait to do some bench presses. I'm like, I just can't wait to listen to Fred again. <laughs> I, a hundred percent. I worked out this morning listening to Fred again, actually. So there we go. Um, I love that. Well, you're, you're finding ways for all this to fit into your life without putting pressure on yourself. You're not putting any expectation. You're not like, okay, I'm doing this training plan where I have to get X miles on the bike every week or else I'm not going to progress because then you would take something you enjoy and it would become something stressful and another thing to worry about. So yes. it's great that you can keep it flexible enough, have some variety, focus on things you enjoy and throw in some things that are different and challenging, like the strength work and throw that in when you need to, like, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I think you, I tell texted you this recently, but you said something like about like, don't, I forget exactly how you phrased it, but something about don't call it working out, but just call it 30 minutes of movement, you know? Yeah. I yeah. remember and then, this. Yeah. And then I, and I always feel that way. And, you know, sometimes the movement is walking with my dog for an hour and that's just fine. You know, it's not, not really going to necessarily burn calories doing that or something, but it's at least a little bit of movement, but you know, when, when you start thinking about it as 30 minutes of movement or an hour of movement, like sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do my normal hour long bike ride in Griffith park. But then when I finish that hour, I'm like, I have nothing else going on. I'm just going to keep going. This is really fun. Like, yeah, you know, and um, yeah. I love that that um, stuck with you. I know we texted, yeah. but you, you texted me and you were like, hey, you said this thing about changing exercise to movement. It's such a small mindset shift, but it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I, I love, I love thinking about it like that. Cause then, you know, you're not thinking about like, you know, I hate when people, you know, I have friends and family members who think about it as this like input and output. Like uh, if I input this many hours at the gym, I will hopefully burn this many calories. And how many calories are in that, you know, yeah, that beer you're drinking or that sandwich you're having. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. I, I'm trying, I'm trying to um i'm trying to enjoy my life and i don't even think about it like i think subconsciously if i do a really amazing bike ride one day or or swim for an hour and a half or something i'm like sure maybe i will maybe somewhere in my brain i'll be yeah. extra indulgent the next day because i'm like i crushed it yesterday but but generally i don't even think about it like that i'm just like oh this i enjoy doing this so i'm gonna go do this for as long as i feel like and then uh i don't know Hopefully I won't 
feel Jewish guilt over eating a bagel or something. A hundred percent. Um, I love it. And when we're, I guess, either next month, month and a half from now, when I'm in LA for the Jump Global Conference, which you're also speaking at, you and I are going to live together. Oh, we, I would love that, to. That'll be fun. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, yeah. So that will be great. Last segment I want to talk about is this trip. So yes. talk about what that is. You've started this. It's been a couple of years now of doing it, but now it's like an official company around travel experiences for music industry folks, retreats. So how would you describe it? What is it? Yeah, where so, did it come from? Yeah, you know, I'll give, I think the backstory helps describe it. So um, yeah, a couple years ago, partly with you, you were involved in the first year we did it. Um, yep. I, I, I had this idea that was, there's a lot of independent entrepreneurs that work for themselves that run small management companies or sometimes big management companies. And, you know, we all try to help each other because we're all basically small businesses that benefit from each other having victories. Because if, if, you know, if I'm friends with Ethan Schiff and his artist he manages becomes huge, then I'm able, then it helps me because I'm like, Hey, can my artist open some shows for them or, or something? So, so I wanted to create this experience for managers where we basically did a retreat together with no specific outcome in mind, more just a, let's go build some bridges and, and see what happens. Um, sort of fast forward, then COVID happened when I wanted to do it a second year. And then honestly, what, what happened with kind of really launching it more seriously was an artist I was working with fired me. Um, and, you know, he was a successful Grammy nominated billion streaming giant song artist. And when he fired me, I remember thinking, gosh, I'm, why am I so happy? Like, I don't, I didn't, I didn't dislike him as, as a human being, but I, I thought to myself, like, I'm really happy to not, to not work with him anymore, not really speak to him anymore. And, um, and I really kind of like dug into that and I was like, what, why is that? And then, and this touches on some of the things we've talked about on this podcast, like when, when that happened and I was really trying to understand to myself, like, why is this? I really reflected on the relationship I had with him. And again, it was generally a positive relationship, but it felt very transactional, right? I didn't think that this artist really valued me as a human being and didn't really care about what I wanted out of our relationship, out of life, out of the career we're building together. And, and I could talk about that for hours, but I won't. But there was a number of reasons that made it feel that way to me. So when when um, when I was fired by the artist, obviously I was a little upset, like, oh God, now I have to deal with lawyers and all this bullshit, but I was really happy about it. And so I I did a little work trying to be like, okay, what is it that, what brings me a lot of joy, right? And started thinking about again food and travel and um and I love the music industry because I love the people that I get to interact with and I love bringing people together and I love experiences and so 
I kind of took the little bit of extra time that I was gifted back <laughs> and went, all right, I want to put some energy into, um, into something for me, right? Something that is, that is not dependent on an artist that, that has nothing to do with an artist is happy or sad that day. That has nothing to do with if an artist is successful, you know, what do I love? And again, I love, uh, I love creating I love creating experiences for people. And that applies to my work too. Like I look at, I look at putting on a music festival or a big concert as an experience that I like to sit back and watch. So, you know, I love doing that. So, so basically, um, I launched this thing with a little bit more of a serious, you know, a little bit more intention versus the first year, which was just like, if I can break even on this and have a free vacation, awesome. But the second year was, um, all right, I'm going to try to get some sponsors to make this experience great. I'm going to invite more people and I'm going to put a hell of a lot of work in what this, the first, this trip experience and the second one and the upcoming third one has been essentially an invite only um, retreat in Mexico for artist and producer managers. Generally people who work for themselves, but I've expanded it a little bit to people who work at some larger management companies. Um, the criteria to come is basically you're a nice person. I don't, and I, and I don't tell anyone before the um, retreat. I mean, I do a couple days before, but I generally don't tell people who's coming because I don't want it to be about, oh, I want to go and network with this manager and hopefully get something from them. I'm, I kind of set the vibe of you're coming because you trust me to create this awesome experience for you and know that everyone I'm going to bring is great at what they do and a really good person. So in some scenarios, you might be learning from someone who's really wildly experienced and has huge artists and 10 employees and or something. And in some scenarios, you might be mentoring someone that's younger and trying to figure out how to build their business or how to like protect their relationship with their client. And so, yeah, okay. what this trip, what this trip has become is, is essentially, you know, I bring this year, it's 20, 25 managers to Mexico. And, you know, there's, there's talks, there's um, conversation starters, and I break it up where, you know, we can talk and learn about each other and learn about the business mixed with, you know, I've become friendly with different restaurateurs and winemakers and whatever, mezcaleros. And like, we do food and wines and tastings. And, and it's just about bringing people together around this common love of, of being in a service business. And, you know, my, my goal with it is to do more of these and do them all around the world and try to, you know, I'm, I'm trying to plan one, for example, in France, where we'll hopefully go to Paris for two days, have, try to, connect people with the French music industry. So do like a mixer with, you know, A&Rs and labels and whatever in Paris. And then we do, you know, a retreat in Provence or something like that. But, um, but I've just found for me that it was when I did it, the, especially the second year, it was one of the most fulfilling, gratifying things I've ever done because, because at, at the end of it, I was like, I feel great. And that's the only person that it, 
the, it like, and I want the attendees obviously to feel great, but I was like, but the barometer of success was like, I absolutely loved this and I had so much fun and it was such a win and so much good energy came out of it versus again, back to the management stuff. There have been experiences in my life where I'm a manager, where I am like, oh my God, we absolutely crushed this thing. And then an artist is like unhappy because I don't know, their microphone broke on stage. And I'm like, yeah, so I'm like, oh my God, why can't we just enjoy this? Why can't we just enjoy this? And so yeah. but this trip for me has been, has been a, um, has been like an experiment in doing something that that's, that's for me, but it's also me giving, giving back to this community of managers I work with and trying mm -hmm. to create something bigger than myself and, um, and not rely on someone else telling me if it went well or not. <laughs> I love it, man. I think it's amazing. I mean, I've obviously been on, yeah. on, on one of them and helped a little bit in coordinating, but it was all you really, but um, it's an amazing thing to be like, Hey, we're going to go to this space and it's not about you networking. It's not about you posting photos on Instagram with so-and-so who has X followers or who knows somebody. And it's just like, come and be like a person and you'll have a great time and you'll learn a lot. And it's communal based. Like that's amazing. And it's like, yeah, it's needed. and even like, uh, the, Nick's junk global thing we're both speaking at, I love his, uh, his sort of I don't know, tagline or whatever, where he's like, it's about music business humans. Like, and he's like, yeah. just, everyone's a human being. And yeah, I love it. You too. Know, the last, this trip we did, I brought a manager who signed the artist that fired me, you know, but he's a good dude and we're friends. And it was yeah. like, it was like, you know, Hey, we're all just, we're all just human beings trying to, trying to do a good job. We have ambitions hopefully get really lucky with a song or an artist or something, yeah. you know, it's like, but I think it's been, it's been a really um, nice experience putting it together and just going, I don't know, like well, watching people come around something with a common goal or common, I don't know, North star has been really fun and gratifying. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm planning on doing more and I'm starting with what I know, right? When I say it's invite only and whatever, it's because I'm not, I'm trying to not bite off more than I can chew. So I'm like, okay, I'm starting with, how do I make this amazing experience for people who are kind of like me, <laughs> who I, who have lived a similar uh, life and have a similar work life challenges and stresses, you know, in five years, I want to just be putting together travel experiences for people outside of the music industry, or maybe one yeah. for chefs or one for health coaches or something you yeah know? I love it and I think like you're talking about like whether when you look at what you're doing obviously with this trip and even mentioning Nick and Jump Global and what they're doing like I think there's hopefully a shift towards people getting away from the kind of old school music industry mentality that's like very cutthroat and all about screwing each other over and i think it's starting i think people are starting to realize that's not really sustainable or you know you have to shift so i just think it's it's amazing lots of good stuff thank you um, yeah. i have one final question for you shoot final question i ask everybody this to close it out all the guest episodes final question um we've covered so much today right we've covered 
everything from your physical health routine to exercise versus movement to work boundaries, emotional health, comparison to social media, all of these things. Um, when you look big picture at all of it, how would you define true health? I would, I would define it by, am I feeling joyful today? You know, and, and I think that all of those is, is asking yourself that question, right? And I think all of those things, you know, physical, mental, they all add to that, right? So one of the other like routine things that I didn't mention, which I kind of try to do every day is like, my phone, I don't sleep with in my bedroom. When I wake up in the morning, I've, <laughs> it sounds, I guess, funny. Like, I don't know if I pulled this from a book or something, but I've created, I've created this like mental checklist in my head of like a couple different things I need to do. I don't need to do all of them, but a couple of them that I need to do before I look at my phone. So it's always it, like, one of them is like, drink a full bottle of water. One is make a cup of coffee. One is listen to music I actually like. Sometimes I can do that all within 10 minutes. It's not like I, I'm i like, gotta, gotta sit and meditate. Some, and one of them is meditate, you know? So I, I choose like one or two every morning when I wake up. My, my point is that for some reason for me, when I give myself that 20, 30 minutes in the morning where, you know, someone else isn't inserting themselves in my life, you know, because texts and emails and all that stuff. That's essentially other people's problems or other people's agenda barging into your life. So I make, I'm like, I want to make sure I feel like kind of centered and I've done some things for myself and then that will lead to a happier day for me. But I, but, but I guess my, my, that was a long winded way of saying, you know, for me, for me, true health is like, do I, am I able to do the things I want to do? You know? physically, mentally, emotionally, and do I feel joyful while doing it, you know? And so um, all of these things, I guess, for me, you know, add to that. And, you know, I'm, I guess I'm lucky that most days I can be like, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty fucking happy. So I, I guess I'm doing a lot of those things. But, um, but yeah, I guess that was a really long way of answering your question. <laughs> it's perfect. I love it. Um, that's fantastic. Well, I'm so glad we did this. For anybody listening, where where should they go? Follow you, Instagram, website, where where's the place they should go? Um, number one most important thing, and this will just really help drive my career, is you should follow my dog on Instagram at me, my dog, and wine. Um, he's, you know, I'm really trying to didn't get to touch on breaking into the dog influencer world, but um, <laughs> if you want to read reviews of wine through the snout of a dog, that's the place. No, um, my Instagram is just at Seth Callen, K-A-L-L-E-N. My management company is at This Fiction, um, and you can follow all of our amazing artists and songwriters, etc. And then, um, you know, mostly for, for people within the music industry, but, you know, to be expanded later. Uh, this trip is just at this trip travel on Instagram. Um, and you know, you'll see our upcoming things we're doing and probably going to be launching some more local things that are more open to a lot more people, whether it's like 
dinner parties or you know talks or things in LA but yeah that is that is where you can find me and if you become my friend I'll tell you about all of my other fake Instagram accounts so <laughs> amazing um everybody check out all of them all of them and um thank you so much for doing this always great to chat Thank you for having me. And yeah, I'll see you in a couple weeks at uh, the Jump Global Conference. Shout out Jump Global. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I'm staying at your house. Oh, yeah. Right on. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you, everybody. Check it all out. And um, I will see you soon.